From the Medical Republic, I'm Francine Crimmins. This is The Tea Room. While an increasing number of women are graduating from medicine in Australia every year, there are still concerns being raised that women are working fewer hours than their male colleagues because of family commitments. This highlights a criticism of women being both mothers and doctors and how for women, balancing the two roles can be challenging. Today, Dr. Rebecca Hoffman on what the latest research tells us about balancing motherhood and medicine. Dr. Hoffman, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you. Rebecca Hoffman is a GP in Kirawee, Sydney, and a senior lecturer at the University of Wollongong. Recently, Rebecca published a systematic review in the MJA, which examined research about motherhood and medicine, published between 2008 and 2019. So 35 papers were looked at and three core themes emerged through this research. Could you start, Rebecca, by telling us what these three main themes were in your review, and then let's talk about each one in more detail? Yeah, I'd love to. So the first one was looking at specifically at motherhood and how being a doctor impacted on raising your children. The second theme looked at medicine and how being a mum impacted on your medical career. And the third one combined the two and looked specifically at any strategies or policies that impacted one or the other or the ability to balance both together. Let's talk in more detail about choosing to have children as a doctor, what did you find out were some of the challenges of motherhood in light of things such as career opportunity and progression in medicine? Yeah, interesting. So as far as being a doctor, there's definitely a theme. Well, actually for a lot of tertiary educated women, there's definitely a theme for delaying having children until after you've done with your studies. And on average, the maternal age is significantly older for women who have done additional studies. And with medicine, you do your additional study, which, for instance, at the University of Wollongong is a postgraduate degree. So you've done one degree and then you go on to do another degree and then you're still you're qualified as a doctor, but you're still not qualified to work independently. And so then it takes on average between another four and 10 years to be qualified to work independently as a specialist. So that means that if you're wanting to postpone having children until you're technically fully qualified that's almost two decades after you finish high school. So you've just gone through some of the main motivations which may inform delaying having children and was one of the main ones delaying that career progression? Yeah so the main one is that people want to essentially get it over and done with or they want to meet certain milestones before having kids because there's a belief whether it's true or false or definitely a belief that having children makes it significantly harder to meet those goals and whether that's harder because they're physically and emotionally harder or harder because of delaying of time frames is um, varied depending on the country and the person and the specialty but there's definitely the belief that if you wait to have children until after you've finished your your fellowship training it's going to be easier but that's not taking into account the delays in parenting and then the difficulties with falling parents 
pregnant or the people that don't want to wait and the people who actually go, no, I'm already in my late 20s or early 30s or mid 30s and I want to have kids now and I'm actually going to make the decision to make those workplace changes, but it's doing that within the regulations of being a doctor and there being things that impact on that. The same as in any workplace, there's things that impact on your ability to raise children or to work part-time or have flexible working arrangements. In medicine, it even seems to be tougher again. Yeah, and I know, especially for people as, who train as GPs, and you would know this really well, this yeah. is particularly difficult problem because the training options often don't come with the same leave entitlements as training in other specialties so is this something that you found as a particular barrier exactly so specifically for general practice so for hospital-based specialty trainees being trained in the hospital you're entitled to state-based leave arrangements which means you're entitled to maternity leave at your full pay if you've worked there for more than 12 months and most people will have done that unless they fall pregnant in their intern or their first year out of medicine as a GP you're based on six months contracts which means every six months you're applying for a new job at a new practice the GP registrar never is at the practice for long enough and actually is never legally entitled to maternity leave pay so any maternity leave that they have has to be either saved for by themselves or the government paid maternity leave scheme at the um, base wage and in your studies you looked at some of the more beneficial leave entitlement systems that Mm. could perhaps improve women's experience to not feel like they're having to choose one or the other. What were some of those? Yeah, so interestingly, but as with everything, it actually comes down to parenting. So as important for women as it is for men, and ideally we'd be talking about a parenting system where either parent is eligible for paid leave, as is in some countries around the world and gold standard countries saying that maternity or paternity leave should be made available for up to 12 to 18 months after childbirth to engage with mothers and parents' health and child's health and breastfeeding and that the better we can encourage that, the better the outcomes for the child and for the family. Given that that's a significant way away from where we are now, there's definitely lots of smaller key things that can be done now and one of those is just simply equitable pay. Yeah, and especially for female GPs, we know that that's also a problem area because we know that female GPs often are given, you know, a different caseload to their uh, male uh, GP counterparts in the same practice. Um, and there's always other patients often also self-select female GPs when they're. Um, when because they want to see a female GP because they have complex mental health or complex gynecological or complex women health issues and they self-select to see female GPs. So often female GPs will find just that their caseload looks very different to some of their male counterparts. So moving on to the second theme that emerged uh, through your research, looking particularly at productivity among doctors who are mothers, 
do women feel that they're treated differently in the workforce? So this was actually really interesting because it looks like it's changed over the decade of studies that I looked at, where the studies that were close to 10 years ago showed that there was quite a distinct discrimination against people deliberately not hiring women who were pregnant or planning to fall pregnant because they believed that they may be less likely to contribute meaningfully to their group or that their colleagues believed that they had to pick up some of the slack because of the mums when they went on maternity leave or paternity leave or had sick days because of kids. But it was really nice to see that the more recent studies and actually even the replicant studies from the previous ones, so the same or similar cohorts done again, showed that that's changing. And in the more current studies, it's shown that that is no longer a belief, that people report that they no longer deliberately discriminated against women who were going to be or were currently pregnant or planning childbirth and the colleagues no longer saw their women colleagues who had children as being an increased burden. Do you think that that might have something to do with the fact that there is just generally quite a lot of women in medicine now yeah um, and that's changing the attitudes? Yeah absolutely so it's definitely well I believe it's definitely a case of when there's a greater population of people both fighting for the same thing, achieving the same thing and doing the same thing, it's easier to see that as being the norm or the normal. And so if you've got lots of women or lots of men who are job sharing, who are showing that flexible work arrangements are actually really effective and in some cases more beneficial. So it's easier to share overtime and on call rosters and difficult hours amongst more people that those things don't mean that you're picking up the slack or anything else that these are achievable, especially for the big hospitals. How do you feel things are improving for women in medicine in terms of creating more flexibility? Do you think that that's happening in a proactive way or do you think we're still in the talking stage for that? And so I think people are still fighting for it and especially amongst some colleges. So amongst um, some colleges have come a long way just in the last couple of years, especially with women in diversity and looking at the College of Surgeons and how a few years ago there was a big push towards them doing more and being more family friendly and they've really stepped up and has done have done a lot to increase the diversity, especially in the upper levels of management and with that has shown better flexibility for speaking out against bullying, speaking out against bad behaviour, speaking out against unfair or unequitable working arrangements and that's a real token to them that they've done really well with that and other colleges can absolutely look to them as being a way to make change and do better but there's definitely other colleges and other particular hospital bases that have a long way to go and you'll often see in the media that people that hospitals have been stripped of their trainees and that's actually a really big thing to be stripped of your trainees means that you are falling so far below your ability at a training hospital to be able to engage in appropriate training that you lose that cohort of doctors which is both a problem for the hospital recruiters and for the patients and for the wider community if you've then lost a whole group of doctors who are no longer able to work there because of unsafe work arrangements. In those areas equity for women and equity for parents is definitely not the highest priority and just being safe is what needs to be achieved before we look at anything else.
And I was just going to ask quickly, and I'm not sure if you know this, but have you noticed in your research any differences between women in more metropolitan or regional areas um, and their decisions to have children compared to those who practice in rural areas by any chance? Really good question. And I've actually, it's going to be the next step of my PhD is looking at this. So specifically looking at women of different ages and different rural areas um, and looking specifically at the incidence of burnout and discrimination based on um, certain factors and one of them is the rural rurality of their training. So it's definitely a watch this space and something I'm really interested in looking into further. I can't wait to see what happens in that space and big question to finish on what do you hope studies like yours will achieve for women who choose a career in medicine in the future? Yeah, so quite a few things. So for for me, I hope that studies like this start a conversation that people can feel safe to talk about their experiences and their hopes and their wishes. I hope that it leads to bigger research questions. So like I've just looked at mums and I'd love to look at parents and there's lots of differences that parents look like Um, and then also just beyond the newborn area into toddlerhood and adolescence and I think all parents know that each of those stages have unique needs and demands and yet everyone looks at that initial first year of life or first 300 days as being really important but it should be expanded out beyond that. On a personal note, I'd love to see general practice trainees being treated the same as everybody else training towards a specialty and being able to achieve maternity leave outcomes. Um, And I know that's a topic that's currently being considered at a couple of different levels, and I'd really love to see that actually come to fruition and happen. Dr. Rebecca Hoffman, thank you. Thank you so much. If you've enjoyed the show, you might like to check out the rest of our journalism by visiting our website. That's medicalrepublic.com.au. On the site, you can subscribe to our daily newsletter and make sure you don't miss a minute, including our next episode of The Tea Room.